Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Who needs to be spiritual when you can be chaotic instead? Yes. I mean, we go for both. So yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's they're they're set up to be rather separate, black and white, binary, but we mesh them together when we can, and sometimes it just doesn't mix, and that's okay. I mean, I am not in a spiritual mood this week, to be totally honest. How scandalous! Surprise, surprise. Uh- <laughs> well, after all the unchristian-like behavior of the people you've had to encounter. Oh my gosh! With their COVID nonsensical actions and whatever everyone exposing me to covid everyone and their brother and their sister and their aunt and their husband and their wife and everything in between not very Kristen like so that's understandable i mean i'm still negative so that's good but in more ways than one (laughs) (laughs) i mean that goes without saying i mean obviously (laughs) in case anyone was wondering yes goodness uh, all right anyways happy pride everyone this is our first episode this june yeah happy pride we're not doing any specifically um pride or queer concentrated content this season um but for anyone who is looking for more of that wonderful content we do recommend that you guys go back to our 2021 ser- our pride series we did uh, what five episodes yeah we did one for every week in the month Yes. And so we had a lot of fun with that one. I will probably be re-listening to some of those this month. Um, So if you guys want to check those out, you should definitely do so. But in the meantime, we hope that you will join us for today's interesting episode. Yeah. We are thrilled to be new members of the Dialogue Podcast Network. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Dialogue, Dialogue is a collective of independent and interesting podcasts who promote thoughtful, respectful, and engaging inquiry and discussion into all aspects of the LDS tradition, thought, arts, and culture. You can support our podcast and others in the network by subscribing at dialoguejournal.com. Subscribers receive special benefits like ad-free episodes and bonus content. You can learn more at dialoguejournal.com. So check it out. This week, we are going for a lighthearted take on an otherwise traumatic experience for most LDS youth, and that experience is Trek. So we wanted to talk about Trek because honestly, it's so wild that Mormon LARPing is this prevalent in the church. Like, like LARPing in general is its own thing, but like add on to it, we're just gonna go deep into the worst time of the church's history and reenact it every year for the hell of it. Like that just blows my mind. I don't get it. Reenact the trauma. I don't get it at all. I love how you call this like lighthearted and we're, for the most part, we're going to spend the whole time complaining. Because it's going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. So anyone who's very um, dedicated to this precise form of Mormon or LDS LARPing and will take offense to this, you're clearly listening to the wrong podcast well, maybe they're in the right place they're gonna learn something new <laughs> they need to learn <laughs> so take this at your own um risk yes pretty much <laughs> 
So we wanted to find out where Trek came from, why people do it, what it is, and we ultimately wanted to hear from you, our magnificent listeners, what your experiences were with Trek, and you did not disappoint. You guys never do. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. The way that your answers to our questions on Instagram had me crying, <laughs> laughing. Jaw dropping. I am so grateful for you all. Oh my gosh, it was so great. We're going to get into it. We're going to share your thoughts. So let's jump in to the deep end of this. Yeah. So what is Trek? So not we know that not all of our listeners are always LDS. And there are still going to be some uh, minor groups of Mormons who might not really know what Trek is. Um, so we're going to go over, go through some of the basics really fast. So basically, Trek is about a week-long activity for youth where they reenact the migration of LDS pioneers from Nauvoo to Utah. In most regions, it is a stake activity, so meaning all the youth from each of the wards in a geographic area come together for this. And they do really try to have larger groups of that, um, a few hundred people all together. So it's mainly for the kids ages 12 to 18, and then parental unit groups, adults leading the whole thing. Some background information on the church site for the church history topics regarding the Pioneer Trek. It says that between 1847, when Latter-day Saint pioneers first entered the Salt Lake Valley, and 1868, when the Transcontinental Railroad neared completion, between 60,000 and 70,000 Latter-day Saints migrated from the United States, Canada, and Europe across the North American Great Plains to Utah and the surrounding regions. Most immigrants journeyed in wagon trains or handcart companies along a network of trails that generally took months to cross. The records of those who made this trek describe their diverse experiences, which included episodes of disease, danger, bravery, and miracles, but mostly stretches of uneventful travel and inspiring scenes of outdoor beauty. Um, okay, then I also pulled this interesting uh, excerpt from this little website. It's um, hamiltoncs.org, um, talking about the Mormon trek. It's from a, an American religions course from Hamilton College. Uh, the content is from 2015, but I did find it fairly relevant. And so this is like the professor who put the whole class uh, class material together. And they wrote, the power of Trek comes from its universality and accessibility because this allows Mormons from all over the world to tap into the spiritual well of power that Trek represents. Although the premise of Trek is simple, it is a meticulously constructed program that balances the necessities of reenactment with the harsher realities of the original expedition. The official Trek manual provided by the church suggests activities like pulling handcarts, devotionals, scripture study time, singing hymns, a woman's pull, reenactment of stories, and walking for a specific pioneer. Most stakes offer some combination of these activities, each of which encourages young Mormons to reflect on their spirituality and their connections to the pioneers. There is much emphasis placed on the core gospel principles of sacrifice, faith, love, and perseverance. In this way, Trek is a tool of the church to guide young Mormons to leading virtuous lives according to Mormon principles. No, thank you. No, thank you. So, and then one of the things we do want to highlight is that you don't just kind of do a track like wherever you are. There are typically places already set up or opened or intended to be used for these handcart track reenactments. The majority of them are in the States. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through and list them. You can find them on um, LDS.org, but they are in a few places such as Washington, California, Florida, Utah, Wyoming, Oklahoma, Idaho. Um, but there's also a few that have been used in other places such as Argentina. Um, I think I recently heard about one in the Philippines also in my research. So people can really do this wherever they want to, but it is kind of intended to use places that are already like open, uh, mostly flatlands and everything that allows for people to spend a week out pretending to be pioneers and everything. This is done and their list was put together with places that are can also be made aware of what's going on um, for safety reasons. And you'll see a lot throughout this series is that like people are doing this stuff on their own, essentially. And then the church has to start putting together handbooks and guidelines and principles because people were getting hurt. Why anyone would think, you know, it would be a great activity for the youth in our ward reenacting a pioneer handcart trek. Let's go up into the mountains of Utah and let's climb every mountain a la Sound of Music as we pull our handcarts into the sunset. Like, I don't, I don't know why anyone would be like, that's a great idea. You're right, Chad. Let's do it. <laughs> what I've constantly been seeing, and especially like since like some of our episodes, like our faith promoting piece, Mormons in their, in our effort to shed light on love and peace and everything, we tend to romanticize trauma that people have gone through in order to help ourselves feel better and feel impacted upon. And we want to justify having certain emotions um, and justify treating ourselves in certain ways, especially as victims, by replicating certain situations where we can pretend to be the victims. So there are some like very specific church sites where people can go tracking on and replicate the the exact routes of pioneers. Sometimes you can do it in Florida where there's natural chaos and sometimes you can follow the, the exact steps of pioneers. And that just kind of goes back to my statement of how we romanticize the past in a lot of ways that I don't necessarily think are healthy. None of this is healthy. None of it whatsoever. So now that we've got that broad overview, kind of let's go into some of the specifics about what a trek includes. So you get put up into families. You get a ma and a pa, and then you're like given to a basic like small family. Those are not going to usually be, you're not usually going there with your own parents and you just get assigned. Like it'll be a married couple in the ward who gets assigned as a ma and pa. Usually, usually they are married together and then they'll be in charge of kids that are not their own. And then together, these families get put through individual trials every day. We also have a camp. So everyone hikes and pulls their handcarts to a specific point where they set up camp for the night. Um, sometimes in tents, sometimes no tents. Sometimes it's just sleeping bags or something. It kind of depends on what the leaders have decided and what they believe the weather will be like. Um, there are activities like trials and fun things that they get to do, which includes pulling a handcart. And then there's also pioneer games they can enjoy, like hoops and stuff. Hopscotch, if you're lucky. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Then, of course, there's food. You get Dutch ovens. You'll have foil meals. You get to try and cook over fire for the most part, from my understanding. You don't really get anything, uh, nothing modern. Um, Twinkies apparently are not allowed. And then you do need to be wearing clothes that are appropriate to that specific time era. So petticoats and bonnets 
and those awful, awful prairie dresses. I can't. I can't. I just get so mad. I am very particular about the way I dress just for comfort and everything. Like I had issues with this growing up. <clears throat> I know it ties into my self-esteem. It's fine. But I would have died if someone put me in that. Died of embarrassment. I, I know some people would enjoy it and I think that's great and I'm very happy for them. I just would have I just have very personal issues in that area and it really bothers me. Um but there is one thing that is a small benefit at least that since you are traveling out there and it's going to be very difficult, you can um, from our understanding, wear your own sneakers and hiking boots. But I, from what I hear, that doesn't always save anybody from blisters. From the ever-optimistic LDS Living site, they have a piece about how to survive your trek experience. It's, it's cringy in all the ways that you would expect it to be. And it reads, For many youth who would rather be at the movies or playing video games, leaving behind modern amenities may not exactly sound like fun and blisters and sore feet start setting in, attitudes can get even worse. When that happens, the charge to do your duty with a heart full of song becomes even greater for leaders, and not any afflicted with attitude-itis. I'm just going to say this at the top of our episode. Mm-hmm. We were born at a specific time in this world for a reason. We were. Which means that like, we were given the gift of electricity, running water, toilets, air conditioning, why would I willingly forsake all of that to spend a week pretending I live in the 1800s where I, a woman, have no rights, am treated subhumanly, and have to pull a hand cart with my supplies to live for a week? Why would I willingly choose to do that? I'm saying this as a 32-year-old woman. Why would I choose to do that now? Why would I have chosen to do that as a teenager? Why would anyone willingly choose to do this? If you want to have like a pioneer experience, like sure, go camping for a weekend. Have fun in the woods, making Dutch oven meals over a fire on your own. Why do you feel like you need to put on a pioneer dress and pull a handcart to honor and revere the pioneers? You're a pioneer today too. Or did you forget that you are also a pioneer in this day and age? Right. And I think that's like a very important point because there's no one way to just do things. And if you want to better like represent the past, it's our responsibility to then learn from it and improve our current present for the future. Like, yeah, we are pioneers and we don't need to be pioneers in the same way they were pioneers. We need to do it in our way because of this time and age that we're in. As you guys can clearly hear, we have some issues with this entire concept, and that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> so many issues. I want to apologize for it, but I can't. Um, I'm not. I've I've <laughs> never liked I've never liked camping. I'm glad that the pioneers were able to do things. That was great for them. I respect that. I'm not going to replay that in my own life. However, I'm just not made up for that. And I mean, Jim Gaffigan has. Um, whenever I think of Camden, I just always think of this one piece he has in, in one of his shows, like where he literally says basically like what you said, like, why would I go back to an age and give up everything that I have like in this? Like, why would I give up everything? That doesn't make any sense. There are other things that we can give up. Like, it's not about like we're too proud for it. It's that we want to appreciate the same age that we're in because we're here for a reason. And by focusing on the past too much and replaying it, it's not going to do us justice or those around us 
justice. I never did trek. Never had the opportunity to experience it, really. Our steak offered it once. I think I was like 15. Uh-huh. Our steak was like, let's let's propose to the youth the option to do trek. Let's see if they'd be interested in doing trek this year instead of girls camp and scout camp. And the entire steak, all the youth were like, no, we want girls camp and we want scout camp. We are not pioneers. We are from New Hampshire. We live the pioneer <laughs> lifestyle every single day out here in these non-Mormon streets. Like we don't, seriously, I don't need to pretend to be a pioneer and put on a freaking bonnet and a dress because I live this life every day. I'm all set. So we had girls camp instead and it was great. I know growing up, I believe that a neighboring steak ended up doing that in San Diego. Um, and like we were kind of like loosely invited to join in. And I told everyone that there was no way that I would. Um, <laughs> everyone, I already had a reputation for hating girls camp. Aww. So doing track was just not going to happen. So tragic. I know. Um, but I'm totally okay with that. And my parents knew this as well because they would try to like bring up camping once in a while. They'd offer us to like go up to Utah to do track with people that they knew. And I mean, fortunately, I also had the backup of my older sister. Um, we're very much against this. My younger siblings were like, okay, yeah, sure, we do it. They weren't uh, thrilled about it, but they'd be willing to do it for the experience. I straight up said, no, I won't be doing that. I will literally do anything not to do it. So I never did. Fortunately, my parents did have the opportunity to do track. They moved to Utah that like first year they were signed as a mon and they absolutely adored it. And I am happy that they had that experience that brought them joy their dreams came true as soon as they moved to the promised land oh my gosh good for them (laughs) i'm so glad the relief that poured through me and knowing that i would not have to do it was just oh so good i'm happy that i've never even had the experience as a leader to do it because i would literally be like nope (laughs) count me out guys bye I mean, yeah. I would be like, okay, I will be a leader on one condition. I am taking all of the children to a hotel where we are going to shower at the end of the day. Yep. And then you can do whatever you want with them afterward. But I know that they would never agree to that. So I'd be like, too bad. Sorry. What you said right there is how I managed to survive girls camp with those kind of leaders. (laughs) (laughs) Only way I survived. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we need more of those people. Instead of those desiring the opportunity to traumatize us. See, I'm a girls camp purist. So I would be like, nah, B, you ain't showering for a week. Oh my God. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but actually that's not true. Okay. So we'll get into this another time when we get into girls camp. Because we're going to have a girls camp episode. We We have, we realize we we have agreed on this. Um, But they instated a rule in my stake where you had to shower at least three times in the week that you were at girls camp because it was a running gag that all of the girls would see how long we could go without showering just for the hell of it. I remember some people (laughs) doing that. I remember that. Oh my gosh. I could never do it because I am such an oily person that like after a day of not showering, I look like I haven't showered in a month. So like, I was the person that was like, I'm showering every day. But I knew a lot of girls that were like, yeah, I showered. And they were like, 
really, I just jumped in the lake and made it look like a shower, but I didn't shower. Like, <laughs> like I, I, growing up and all through actually college, like I could go like a week or two sometimes without like washing my hair. I like it was gross. I know, um, but I could manage it when I needed to. Washing my body, I would just do like pat downs, have the time in and girls camp because I didn't like a lot of the showers. There were bugs in there. I couldn't do it. I can't wait to do our girls camp episode. Oh my gosh! I know it's gonna be so. Uh, okay. Anyways, yeah, it's gonna be good. Anyways, moving on though, speaking of some of the trauma and some of the purpose about track, um, I did want to highlight an article. Peggy Fletcher Sack always has really good stuff with the Salt Lake Tribune. She did a July 2016 article titled Trek Gives Mormon Teens a Taste of Pioneer Past, but some practices steer away from history. So let's kind of dive into some of these points that she made. She notes that in the past few decades, going on a trek, as it is commonly called, has become an almost ubiquitous rite of passage in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, designed to inculcate youths with character, empathy, and a connection to sacred Mormon history. These excursions have become so popular, in fact, that they have been exported from the West Mormon Belt to LDS congregations in eastern, southern, and midwestern states, as well as countries like Italy, Taiwan, Japan, Argentina, Mongolia, and New Zealand, complete with gingham and cowboy hats. That makes me so angry. Those people in those other countries are literally living pioneer lives. They are. They don't need to have to deal with this Like, they're in a happy place, away from America, where we had to, like... I mean, if they made it, like, a lot more fun and, like, basically, like, turn into a party concept without, like, actually suffering or re-traumatizing themselves, I would be all for that. Because I know some countries do really weird American-based LARPing. I was just reading this piece. I think it's in, like, Norway, where they have, like, an Ohio day, and they just pretend to be from Ohio. It makes no sense. When I saw pictures and stuff, and it looks super funny, and I'm like all here for that. If you want to make fun of Americans, please do. I mean, yes, but at the same time, I feel like if they're Mormon, they're probably taking this way too seriously and are like, no, we have to be as historically accurate as possible. No bathrooms, latrines only. Nothing but jerky and food that you cook over a fire. Suffer. Goodness. Yeah. Like, I just, no, I can't. Yeah, Those countries need to stop. Do not Maybe. participate in this hell. Do not do it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Okay, then Peggy Fletcher Sack did share a quote by LDS historian Tona Hangen saying, Justice Pioneer Day celebrations over the years have generated and perpetuated Mormon folk identity. Um, Trek retraces, sometimes on precisely the same ground, an epic historical journey of Mormon pioneers from the Midwest to Utah and replays certain pieces from an actual historical past. And like we do want to count like it is very important to like learn history. We do have a lot to learn. We should be reading the records of people from the past and everything. That is very good. Like we should understand what pioneers have gone through, what it took to get here, um, the trauma that they suffered as well as the ones that they inflicted on others. We need to be understanding of this. But do we really need to actually redo it all? No. So Sack goes on. The Trek experience, orchestrated by an LDS stake, requires an army of organizers to arrange the necessary permits, food, and camping logistics, along with a wagon load of financing and supplies. An entire industry has sprung up around it to market Trek goods. Now, some members want to take the whole thing up a notch. 
this is just a side note. This is going to get really ugly really fast. So feel free to plug your ears. Okay, so it goes on. How about if the kids build a replica of the base Navi temple and then have a black face gun wielding mob sweep unannounced into the camp's jostling tents, screaming invectives at the trackers and then burning the sacred structure? What if folks dress up like American Indians raid the camp looking for contraband cell phones and kidnapping young women? What if the kids have to bury babies made from bags of flour? So those are just three really offensive terms and ideas. I apologize for using American Indians. It is the term that they use. Um, It's not appropriate. I understand that. Um, All this is very offensive and traumatizing for people, those who suffer through it, and for people who would have to go through it again, even though they would know that it's not real to a certain extent. Why would you think that it's a good idea to scare youth in the middle of the night after they've been hiking and pulling handcarts all day and then pretend to kidnap some of them. Why Why would you think that's a good idea? Why? Why is that okay? It's not okay. Who thought that was a good idea? Who is marketing this to these groups? Like, who was like, you know what's a great idea? Let's reenact the Mountain Meadows Massacre and kidnap all these kids and then pretend to shoot everybody else in the camp. Let's do that for fun. Okay, then I don't think I actually included this part, but there was a piece in the article where there were some people, some of the parents, who were like, yeah, it will be near town. We could just, you know, like, give some of the people some fake guns, and then in the distance, we'll be shooting real guns to really scare them. And it was one of the parents who, like, was a cop and was like, no, we're not going to traumatize them that badly. What the actual F... Like, what? Yeah. So Why? The thing is, some of this isn't just proposed stuff that we're saying that. Some people had ideas and then shut down. Some of this did happen. Like, the churches started putting in guidelines into track and saying, here are the type of experiences that you should offer, that you should focus on. Because people have done ter- stupid, hurtful, traumatizing things in track to try and cause people to understand what it was like for the pioneers and to give them a spiritual experience yeah um okay so i'm gonna go back i'm gonna continue that quote that i was reading fletcher sack wrote some lds groups have embraced these theatrics but many have declined to adopt them seeing such tactics not only as non-historical but also potentially traumatizing thank god yep Um, There is enough power in the authentic experience, getting the kids outside, putting them in families that become close and enduring without adding a faux experience, says Don Hangen, Tona's husband and an LDS leader in Massachusetts who oversaw his stakes youth trek. He says, we didn't want to emotionally manipulate the kids. Wise words. You shouldn't try to emotionally manipulate people. And we do way too much of that in the church overall. Thank God that's an East Coaster representing how we do things on the East Coast. <laughs> yes. None, none of that <laughs> crap. And then some of the background that Fletcher Sack was able to write was pretty insightful. She wrote that the notion of youth tracks did not come from the top down and the hierarchical faith. It bubbled up from the bottom, spawned by media coverage of the 1997 uh, Sesquint sesquicentennial will reenactment of the original mormon pioneer journey soon mormon youth groups began to share general outlines for such ventures including what became known as the women's poll trek leaders tell the teenage boys and male adults that they've been called to serve in the mormon battalion leaving the girls and women to pull the handcarts sometimes up a hill 
like literally deliberately up the hill um, without them. And like, that's the thing. The woman's pool is not rooted in history. They're just emotionally manipulating everyone. And then uh, Fletcher Sack noted that last year, which was, uh, would have been 2015 at the time, church headquarters established more consistent track standards to enhance safety and historical accuracy. Symbolizing the absence of the young men by calling them to serve in the Mormon battalion is historically inaccurate and is therefore inappropriate, says the church's handcart track reenactments guidelines for leaders. The wearing of white clothing to represent deceased persons or angels is not to be included as part of tracks. You guys. I've heard stories from youth in my past wards yeah. that have been on track in Florida, which like... Having Trek in Florida in July is like the worst idea ever. Like you're willfully putting kids in 110 degree weather plus like 100% humidity for fun. You're awful. Of course, like Florida doesn't really have hills. But, so what they would do for women's pull is have them pull carts through sugar sand, which if you've never experienced sugar sand in Florida, it is the hardest kind of sand to walk through. Because it's so fine, but it's also so dense that you cannot move through it quickly at all. So, like, all of the boys had to line up on the sides of this trail and watch the girls struggle through sugar sand. And most of the time, from the stories that I've heard from my former youth there, the guys on the side of the road, like, on the side of the trails, were the ones crying, like, please let us go help them. Like, this is so... Like the boys were a mess and the girls were just like, this sucks. Yeah, I've definitely heard that. It's just crap. All of it is crap. Yeah, it's, it's garbage. I know a lot of people have like talked about that, like being spiritual, but I like also it's utter garbage and has been to personally, I see it as a lot more harmful than actually doing people good. Um, like I've read too many Twitter threads as well that like people like suck, like, recounting their suffering being like this was the worst thing ever nobody liked it and then like to follow that i want to share one last piece by fletcher sack um she wrote the faith also has a safety and health webpage for treks with a strong emphasis on the importance of hydration why in arkansas women died of heat related injuries on a mormon track in oklahoma earlier this year which was 2016 at the time so people have died and been seriously injured doing these sorts of things like i was i think it was on the lds living article where this part with where this guy um because you know it was a man from the way he was writing he was recanting the story of watching the women's bowl how it was such an, a spiritual experience for him and he was talking about how one of the girls not a woman a girl so one of the the youth tried so hard she ended up collapsing at the end and like he was talking about like how she how she suffered through shin splints to get her wagon up and it was such an ex a spiritual experience for him so her suffering strengthened his testimony as it tends to be when it comes to yeah gender experiences in the church i was gonna say if that is not the most quintessential male mormon statement i've ever heard in my life i don't know what is yeah so we're gonna flip things now and i'm gonna share the input that you guys gave us yes. from instagram because these the answers were great so we asked you all our followers about your experiences with trek so 
I'm going to pose the questions that we asked first in our Instagram story, and then I'm going to share the stories that you all shared with us because they are chef's kiss incredible. Okay, so the first question was just the blanket. Have you ever done Trek? Eight people responded. They said six said yes, two said no. The second question was, if you never did Trek, did you want to do it? Ten people responded, and we got a variation of yeses and nos. Um, the overwhelming response was no. <laughs> <laughs> there were only a few responses that said yes because they had bomb food at Trek, but otherwise it was no. The next question was, what was the best part about Trek? I love these answers. Okay, so the first one said, making it to quote-unquote Utah, meaning the end of Trek. <laughs> the end. Yeah. <laughs> the friendships. Always good. <laughs> the best part of Trek was it ending. Amen. <laughs> Another one was food and friends. Someone else said it was fun hanging out with my friends, so friendships was like a big part of it. That was good. Another one was washing my hair in a sink with shampoo that my ma thoughtfully brought, which was honestly uh, good, job. good job. Yes. And then the last one was activities with other youth. So I guess that's good. Okay. The worst part about Trek. Someone said it was a tie between pulling the cart through sugar sand and eating watery porridge. What? Honestly, eating porridge sounds like a nightmare to me. So that would be like I hate one. sand though. So okay, Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hate sand. Um, I and pulling the cart. No, I I would just drink that watery porridge and be like. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dead. You guys have to carry me the rest of the way. Yep. Ugh. Die on night no, one. Okay. The next one said, women's pull. It felt like emotional manipulation. So everything that you just shared, Kaylee. Um, another said, I severely sprained my ankle in two different places during Trek. So that was not great. No. <gasps> no, that's oh not okay. Gosh. The next one said, it just felt like a giant waste of time, which I can respect that answer. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Another said outfits. Oh, my God. Just the outfits. I feel you. Amen. Um, another one said it was exhausting. I mean, they expect you to go like 12 to 13 miles a day. While pulling a handcart in the summer. No. No. Someone else said the food was the worst part about Trek, <laughs> which is so hilarious. <laughs> and then the last person said, we weren't technically allowed any clothes besides what the pioneers would have worn, excluding our shoes. So our research was not incorrect. I hate it so much. All right. So we next asked to, to describe Trek in one word. <laughs> this is where I died laughing. So we've got hell, ridiculous. Gritty, sweaty, gross, interesting, LARPing, <laughs> weird, and Mormon LARP. Two words, but we will give it to you. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> okay, and our last question that we asked was, would you do Trek today as an adult? And overwhelmingly, it was a no. We had a few people who said they would do it again as an NPC, meaning like they're one of those people on the side that they encounter on the trail that they don't have to actually pull a handcart. If I was forced, 
at like we will burn I don't know. I don't know. They'd have to have a really good thought to convince me to do it. But if I had to, I would be willing to do it as an NPC. And I'd pretend to like, I don't know, die and hand them my baby to watch over. I don't, I don't know. If I had to be that traumatizing, I could do that. I could act for like five minutes and then be like, back to the air conditioning. Bye. No, I still wouldn't do it. I still would not. I'd be like, no, this is terrible. Because I would be like, they would probably give me a role where I could like be really over the top and I would use that role to be like get out while you can children run just leave the handcart and run away into the wilderness they'll never find you like it just it would not Uh, work yeah no that's that's a good point I'd be like who who's who's unhappy here like let's let's just go like I've got I've got my car around the corner who wants to go home you guys kids don't have to stay and do this my trunk can hold at least two bodies. Let's go. Put them. On, I'd put them on the roof if I had to. I'd do anything to save those kids. All right, go on. Um, another person said they would do it as a leader to make it more fun or in solidarity for the youth. And then three people simply said yes. And to those three people, I have so many questions. <laughs> yes. But I'm not going to go in depth into this because overwhelmingly it was a no. All right, so now I want to share the listener-submitted Trek stories because these were incredible. I had some really great conversations with some of you that submitted them, so, like, thank you so much for entertaining me all day. So the first one comes from our former YSA ward in Orlando. They said, I'm going to just read the quote straight because it's a wild ride. Quote, my stake is now banned from Trek Because our uncle and aunt, both of whom were already married to other people, hooked up in the middle of Trek and got knocked up. It was a really weird setup. Our dad and mom were a married couple, but our uncle and aunt were not. They were each married to other people. Like, why have two separately married people be married on Trek? Seriously, I know we kind of support polygamy on the down low, but like... This is kind of pushing it. This is concerning. It gets worse. Admittedly, our aunt was very attractive, and our uncle was in a loveless marriage. His wife was a huge Karen. Throughout Trek, they were flirting back and forth. We even joked that they seemed more married than our Trek mom and dad. Anyway, something obviously happened because the aunt got pregnant directly after Trek. Her husband had been away for work as an overseas contractor. Stop. Oh, there's no hiding there. Nope. The uncle lived in my neighborhood, and my mom was told by the ward to minister to the uncle's wife throughout the aftermath. This also caused quite a bit of controversy because the uncle was the son of a local LDS celebrity and had just gotten (laughs) temple sealed to his wife the month prior to Trek. No way. (laughs) Stop. Things turned out. How was he? At a- things turned out pretty. Wait, well. you said he was in a loveless marriage, <laughs> and he just got married. <laughs> okay, things oh, turned out God. pretty well for the uncle and aunt in the end. They got married, and they had two more kids, and they're supposedly still together. But oh. yeah, we're banned. End quote. Okay. Good for them. Oh I think. my gosh, this is. <laughs> The okay, oh my, my reaction to this was a series of gifts of just like utter and complete shock. <laughs> and then I said, <laughs> The scandal, the drama, the intrigue. I need a mini series of this. Like, I need yes. 
I need a mini series. I don't care who I makes it. That. I don't care who takes the idea from me. Just give me a mini series. I need to watch it. That's insane. I love it. Okay, next one. So this one is from Caitlin on Instagram. She said, quote, we were packing up our stuff one morning. One of the boys in my family wasn't waking up. He wasn't even breathing and his lips were turning blue. So I ran to get my mom, who was the camp's RN. She worked some kind of miracle, like she pounded on his chest and shook him around. Then he just opened his eyes and saw us all staring at him and said, good morning. We all were like, insert eye roll emoji here. (laughs) You were dead. And he was like, nah, I'm just a deep sleeper. He got Uh. up rubbing his chest like, huh, my chest hurts. And then went about his day like normal. But I swear, as well as everyone that was there, he was not breathing. Oh, my God. Like, it was way more than sleep apnea. It's definitely more than sleep apnea. He died. He totally died. (laughs) He wanted to give you the true, authentic Trek experience by having someone in the family die. And he meant really die. He went full method on this one. That's insane. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... Now I have five stories who came from Michaela. Yes, the wonderful Michaela. We love you. We love you. And I am so (laughs) glad that you shared all of these stories with me. Okay, so the first story is one. I remember for my trek, about 30 kids on the first night got so dehydrated they needed an IV. We found out they weren't drinking water because they didn't want to pee on the side of the trail, so they just wouldn't drink anything until they knew we were close to camp. Because of this, every day following, the leaders would do mandatory water stops every 15 minutes where they went from family to family to watch and make sure they were drinking water. (laughs) I am laughing because that's definitely what I would have done as a kid. But like, here's the thing. Definitely. If you're... Pulling a handcart and you're sweating that much, you're not going to need to pee. You're not going to, no. Like, you're just going to be sweating that out. So, like, really. No, but it's it's the risk. It's the risk that concerns people, okay? <laughs> I was that kind of kid who, like, I didn't use I didn't use public restrooms as a kid. Like, I was so afraid of, like, just, you know, you might run out of toilet paper. Like, all these sorts of things that could happen. And then you're out in the open for here? No. Not happening. Never. I would be that person and I would pass out. I feel like with all of those fears, Kaylee, you should have been that like overly prepared person that either had like depends with you or like (laughs) toilet paper with you or one of those those, like funnel things that women use at sporting um, events to like stand up and pee now. All my camping friends have them. Yeah, they're supposed to be super useful. I did not have those available as a kid, and the whole thing just sounded also gross. I feel like um, you would have had everything, though, to, like, prepare yourself <laughs> just in case. You would have had, would. like, a portable shade to, like, wrap around you so you could go <laughs> yes. pee and no one would be able to see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like- yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, yes, but also, I'd also rather die before having to do any of that as well. So it would have been a good backup. Okay, so the second story is... Another thing that happened was we had specific trials assigned to us. On this day, every family was given a baby, a literal plastic toy baby doll to take care of. We were even required to give them water on our mandatory water stops. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike every other family there, we didn't find out what our spiritual whirlwind was. Oh, that was the other thing she told me. 
They couldn't call them trials. They had to call them spiritual whirlwinds. I don't like that. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. So they found out their spiritual whirlwind later that night. Once we finally made camp that night, our trial came into play. We were told that our baby died and we needed to bury it before we set up our tents. So they literally had us bury this baby doll and do a whole service for it and everything. We had to sing a song, do an entire funeral service, and I was in charge of picking flowers for its grave. <laughs> I had a lot of issues with this. I've already brought up a few of them. Um, but also, like, did someone go back and, like, and like pick it up? Yeah, up? that was or my other question. Like, you, that's still littering if you yeah. bury it, you know? Yeah. Also, like, what if they left it? Like, what about if someone, like, in the future, like, goes and they find this baby doll buried in the ground and they're like this is definitely a cursed object like this is a haunted yes, doll it, we have to yes. leave it here yes they've put a dead spirit in it since they gave it a service and now it has a spirit in it and it's going to haunt someone in the future um which i don't think is appropriate to do when you are on a pioneer trek but yeah like we, we've already talked about this like it's trek is hard enough you don't need to traumatize people and have them suffer through a pretend loss when people have their own different kinds of losses in their life that they experience and just trying to force them to mm, i don't like this but okay. speaking of trauma that brings us to yes. story number three which is perfect members of my ward assembled to mock the kids and throw things at them as they left for trek i guess it was to make us feel like the pioneers did when they were leaving missouri I remember being confused when the rest of the family said how wonderful that was. What? <laughs> what? No. Just imagine your young woman's leader who, like, doesn't go on with you just, like, throwing rocks at you and calling you names. Yeah. Like, what? Telling you to get out. Like, how do you go? how do you go back to your ward that next Sunday and, like, look your bishop in the eyes knowing that he threw, like, a sun kiss at you? And he's going to be smiling and laughing. Be I like, know. Did you have a good time? <laughs> You'll be like, I'm going to key your car. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. I have a knife on me. <laughs> and let's see what happens next. I had lots of oh, time to learn how gosh. to whittle a shiv on this track. <laughs> You're not coming it's out like, of here unscathed. Like, oh, my gosh. I cannot. No. I mean, even if they're, per I, even if it's pretend, like, you don't forget things like that. Some people, sure, they'll laugh it off and you can forget about it. Other people are not going to forget it. I would never forget a single word that anyone said to me. And I'd be like, I am coming for you when I get back. I will literally only survive this so I can end you. I will set your house on fire <laughs> and lock you and your entire family inside because of what you did to me. <laughs> Another can't. reason why we were not born in an earlier time. <laughs> Honestly. Honestly. We wouldn't make it to the Salt Lake. We'd be turning right around. First of all, I would not have left Nauvoo. <laughs> I would have been with Emma in that gigantic house. Oh. Been like, what up, sister? I'm staying here too. I mean, and yes. I would be like, I will defend this house with my life. I would be like, yeah, I'm going to go into town. I'm going to buy as many guns as I possibly can. I will sit on the roof of this house every night night oh, to make sure God. that the mobs get the message that i am not to be trifled with i will shoot every person that crosses yeah. that property line try me try me 
Anyways, um, story number four. <laughs> okay, this one is just so bad. This I one is terrible. Okay, story number four is we were supposed to have to kill our own chickens one night. So bad as But it is. someone left the crates in the sun and all of the chickens died. So the leaders ordered <gasps> pizza instead. I mean, yay pizza, but... I'm not I'm not one of those people made to be on a farm who has to kill things. They could have still used the chickens. I'm just going to say that if their whole intention was to kill chickens to eat them. I I thought like when it comes to like I was going to say harvesting meat, um but like getting the meat from animals, I thought you're supposed to like be able to kill the animals because if they die on their own, then that sets in like other Talks and stuff. I don't know science. Oh, I don't know. I know nothing. My thought process was like, you can't, you're not supposed to eat from a dead animal who's already dead. You're supposed to like kill it so that the meat is fresh and that you can, you know, take it off the bones and cook it and everything right away. Um, or else dead animals, like you will get sick from them. I don't know. We'll look this up. We'll bring it up in corrections <laughs> corner next week. Yes. Can you make a note of that, Kaylee? <laughs> Okay, um, let's read the last one. So the last story is, <laughs> I love it. She says, last one, I almost forgot. We were also told not to bring tents and that we would be allowed to have our sleeping bags so we would sleep under the stars. Then a massive rainstorm came in and drenched everyone while wind was blowing and chilling everyone. And the crowd couldn't fit around the campfire. So we all huddled underneath the food tent for the night. Then the leaders brought tents for the next night. To say the least, they should have watched the weather beforehand. It was a joke of a trip. I'd be so mad. See, I would be prepared. I would know the weather. I would know exactly where the restrooms are because I would only go if there were restrooms, truthfully. Like, I would know all these kinds of things. I would be extra prepared for literally everything. The fact that people don't do that, I just, I can't. I, I would leave. I can't. If yeah. I went and that happened to me, I would be like, I'm leaving. I am hiking back to wherever we started. I don't care how long I have to walk. I am out of here. You cannot pay me to stay here. Y'all can't do enough to keep me here. I'm out. Or I'd be like, give me the keys to your car. I'm taking your car <laughs> and I'm leaving because yes. I know y'all got here somehow. So amen to that. I understand that people are people and they're human and they make mistakes and that's understandable and weather can change, but no. But that's also why you should be prepared. Like weather can change. It doesn't matter if you look at the weather beforehand, like the weather could change at any point in time and you could be stranded with no tents. Gosh. So yeah, we are kind of wrapping up now. Um, basically from what we've able to garner is that the good that does come out of track um, includes exercise, friendships, and spiritual experiences overall. That's kind of the purpose, and that is the aim. And some people are still able to get those out of the experience, the week-long adventures and LARPing that they do. So that's good. However, there is a lot of trauma that can and most likely will come out of track. And the fact that it's not only just like you're coming back with like mental health problems, but you could be coming back with physical health problems, sprained ankles, dehydration, and so on. 
and so many other issues. I mean, for me, just alone, I'd have at least 50 bug bites, no matter how much clothing I'm wearing. I would be burned five times over and very bad indigestion, most likely. (laughs) And that's just for my physical situation that I would be in, let alone anything else, because... mm, Yes. So personally, as you can see from this episode, we think that there is more harm than good that comes out of track. We are glad that the church has put together guidelines to try and make sure people are following these as well as possible, not just for physical health, but for like activities and everything so that they can actually be a positive experience um, because we know those are possible. There's a lot of problems, like especially the women's pool and the burning a baby. Like, no, those those are like the top tier like issues that I've got. They're very much used for like faith promoting stories and emotional manipulation. They're rooted in patriarchal misogyny, right there. I, mm, I don't like it. I I have a lot of issues with people who write things off as it being then a spiritual experience when people are seriously suffering and shouldn't have to go through that. So, and like in general, like people have died on this. Like we did mention one woman who unfortunately died of dehydration and we're pretty sure that there might've been more people. Not a lot. It'd be a rare occurrence, I'm sure, because people do try to be careful and they usually try to like bring doctors and nurses and stuff. Um, but it's still dangerous. Like it's, it's still problematic. Like I know y'all are trying to be like as historically accurate as possible, but like, you already know that people died in the 1800s doing the real trek. Why do you feel like you need to go full method and like let people get that sick or otherwise afflicted on fake trek? Why? Why? Why is that necessary? Yeah. And don't say accidents happen because I will backhand you <laughs> with my car. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. I can't. Yeah. So, I mean, to conclude, we haven't, we've already told you, we have not personally experienced track for ourselves. We can't speak to the good elements of this. Um, but overall, we do think it is ludicrous why anyone would willingly reenact the worst part of our church's history on an annual basis for fun is beyond us. From what you, our wonderful listeners, shared with us, we think it's crazy as well. So we're glad to have that. We understand some of you guys enjoy that. So good for you. So overall, people seem to either come out of it as spiritually aligned, something that can definitely last or may fade with time, like some camp experiences. And some of you loved it, and we won't criticize you for it, but based on our research and review, most people do not enjoy the experience. It's not really worth it. The ones that keep it going year after year are the 10% that think it's a good idea. More than anything, though, like with them, you'll get the whole, you have to have been there sort of deal to to you know actually enjoy it from what we've learned no thank you we will not be furthering our research and opening up the opportunity to change our minds by actually going on track that will not happen we have our research to back up that this is a bad idea Mm -mm. i am going to stand by what i said at the top of our episode which is i already live in a place that is very sparsely populated with members of the church so i am living a pioneer life every day by being an every member kind of missionary sort of deal. I do not feel the need to honor pioneers by recreating their life stories. I don't feel that need. I never felt that need. And I only learned that I actually have pioneer ancestors like five years ago. And even then, I don't feel the need to recreate their lives because they lived them already 
good for you. Congratulations. We'll talk about it in the spirit world. But sweetheart, I don't need to walk a mile in your shoes. I'm good. I'm doing my own thing down here and I'm going to keep doing it and not trekking, not Mormon LARPing. I will LARP on other things. Like you want me to go to a Renaissance fair and LARP while I'm there? Yes, anytime, anytime. Because I know that at the end of the day, I can go back to a hotel and I can take off the Renaissance and lay around and watch Netflix. Like it's not real. But y'all take Trek way too seriously and you make it seem like it's life or death if we don't experience what the pioneers did. And I'm here to tell y'all that that is false. That is such a fallacy. I cannot say it enough. You don't need to live the pioneer life to experience what the pioneers experienced. You do not need to do this ever. We will each be given plenty of opportunities in our current lifetime to be challenged in ways that will challenge us that will benefit us in this lifetime we don't need to role play and cause other trauma and challenges for ourselves we understand you want to connect with your ancestors or with other pioneers and there are many ways to do it and we just we can't we will not be putting our stamp of approval on the mormon pioneer track no but before we close, we also wanted to say thank you to everyone who answered our Instagram questions and sent us stories. You guys are wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for talking to me on Instagram yesterday and sharing all of those stories with me because it kept me laughing the entire day. It really did. I loved hearing these stories and I can't wait to hear more in the future. We will be doing an episode about girls camp in the future, so I expect <laughs> yes. all the girls camp stories from all of you. Because <laughs> I have I have my own that I have already shared with Kaylee, a couple of them, and that just barely scrapes <laughs> the surface. So I can't wait to hear the rest of these. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we wanted to do one final reminder that we will be having our book club episode launch next week. When this episode airs, we will be recording the book club episode in the evening. So if you would like to participate on Wednesday, June 8th, yes, in the evening at 6 p.m. Eastern time, send us a message. We'll get you the link to the Zoom so you can join us. If not, then tune in on June 15th when we have it going live on all of our podcast hosts. So tune in. It'll be super fun. We're both rereading the book this weekend to keep it fresh. And it is a journey, <laughs> folks. Make sure you tune in. And if you have any final thoughts on track, we would love to hear them. Our DMs are always open. So yeah, thanks you guys for listening. And until next time, bye! bye.